Let's get started. So to set the stage a little bit about the merge, there's quite a lot of superlatives attached around this upgrade. It is the most difficult and complex upgrade that Ethereum developers have had to um, do thus far. It's the most hyped, the most anticipated, the most delayed as well. Um, <laughs> Preston, um, first question is for you. Could you break down exactly what the merge is? Um, and also break down the main benefits of the merge on Ethereum. Yeah, so I think since Ethereum's inception, there's been this idea that we'll use proof of work for the consensus of Ethereum, and then at a later date, switch to proof of stake. Now, the way that we went around implementing this in practice is that we created uh, essentially two different layers of Ethereum. We separated what's called the execution layer, uh, which is what we know as Ethereum today. This is where smart contracts are executed, transactions are executed, and everything uh, behaves as we know it. And then we have now a new consensus layer that we can change the rules, right? We can switch to a proof of stake consensus rather than proof of work. And last year, well, at the end of 2020, we launched what's called the beacon chain. This was the Ethereum consensus layer running alongside the Ethereum consensus layer, ETH1, ETH2, as it's formerly known. The idea behind the merge now is that we merge these together, then they become one uh, monogamous chain, and there's no longer two chains running together. There's no more proof of, uh, proof of work. It's all running based on the consensus from the consensus layer, which is proof of state. Gotcha. That was a great summary. So mainly one of the things that will happen to Ethereum after those two networks merge is that a lot of the energy usage of the, the blockchain will, will go down. Any benefits to scaling, UI, any, any other benefits that um, people should know about as it relates to the merge upgrade? The switch to proof of stake is, is almost entirely about the energy efficiency. It does come with some other benefits. Um, it, it, primarily, the most other important one is increase of decentralization. To be a block proposer on Ethereum today, you, you need essentially a, a whole data center of equipment for proof of work. It is feasible for any individual to do. So you usually have you know, these sort of like cartels of of mining pools and stuff like that that are, are collecting all that power together to produce blocks. Yeah. Well, now with proof of stake, you can have as little as 32 ETH to be a block proposer. You're part of a validator just like anybody else. So it lowers the barrier to entry, therefore increasing the decentralization of the actors on the network. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like from a lot of the research that I've done around the merge, a lot of the community's hopes and expectations around Ethereum's transition to proof of stake has changed so much since Genesis, um, particularly around timing. Vitalik, one of the other co-founders of Ethereum, is, is known to have said way back in, in, in the inception of the network that proof of stake would be ready by 2016. Um, and there was a point in Ethereum's history when the transition to proof of stake was actually coupled with sharding, which was a scalability upgrade, and then it wasn't. 
I feel like there's a lot of expectations that have been changing around the merge. Danny, my next question for you is kind of about community sentiment around the merge today. And truly, do you think that community sentiment around the merge will change drastically if developers have to um, execute another delay to the difficulty bomb? I think it's really important to remember that research takes time. And uh, because of the massive, massive adoption and usage that we've seen in terms of the use of Ethereum and the number of developers that started building on it and the applications on it, the, the difficulty of implementing a lot of this has, you know, it is quite high and it has to be done very carefully. And so research just takes as long as it takes. I think that actually uh, the community has been really optimistic and has also been helping in terms of developing new alternatives to continue helping the network scale while the core devs and the research teams are really working on uh, foundational changes like the implementation of sharding. Mm. Um, I don't think that there's, it's really much, you know, a delay as much as a like segmentation of how things are getting rolled out. So we're all really excited that we're just happening right now. Um, right now, I think Vitalik has talked about having layer twos, different roll-ups really be mechanisms of scaling that all come together and work together to be to help Ethereum scale. Mm. Um, and they don't require sharding to be ready and released in order to already implement those, those capabilities. That's fair, that's fair. Joe, anything to add to that? How bullish do you think the merge really is for EVE today? Um, well, I think the, the merge is, um, the most profound event in, uh, in blockchain history since the genesis block of Ethereum. Um, uh, at the risk of, uh, of reiterating a few things, it, uh, um, it uh, drastically removes the carbon footprint uh, by 99 point something percent of the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, it um, brings in an era of uh, greater openness, greater diversity with respect to clients, um, uh, ultimately leading to, to um, maximizing this progressive decentralization that, uh, that has been the direction of travel for our ecosystem. Um, it's a piece of the modularization of, of our technology where we've already seen the execution layers teased out from this monolithic Ethereum client and Ethereum protocol. Um, we're uh, now seeing the, uh, the security layer sort of split um, into uh, the execution, the base execution environment uh, and the consensus network. Um, we are soon gonna see another teasing out uh, of, uh, called guaranteed, call it guaranteed data availability system. So that's, that's sharding um, so that uh, we can have these other systems, uh, which are enabled um, by proof of stake, enabled to, to be uh, enormously secure and decentralized by proof of stake, uh, those pieces enable these uh, varied um, right. uh, execution environments uh, to scale. Yeah. Uh, and so um, is it bullish? Uh, I, I think it's bullish, it, and, and it's especially profound when you think about uh, um, how all of this, including the movement towards um, towards ultrasound currency, which is going to be a, a profound innovation for the world of finance, um, all of this is happening 
um, over time because it's a, a hundred billion dollar airplane that, that's in the air and we're affecting this transition uh, so that uh, all the developers and all the applications on essentially layer one, the execution chain, are almost completely unaffected. Uh, so, so things will just yeah. continue to roll on from... I want to come back to that topic of ultrasound money a little bit later in this panel because it's a great point, but I think that really sets the stage for what the merge is and a lot of the hopes that are pinned on the merge. Let's talk a little bit about the risks associated with this pretty profound upgrade. Um, Preston, what are the risks associated with executing the merge? Um, anything that DAP developers in particular should be aware of? What could go wrong with this activation? Yeah, to reiterate Joe's analogy, we're all flying on a jumbo jet through the sky as fast as we could go, and we want to switch out the engines while in flight. It's, it's very complicated, and there are literally billions of, of dollars of value at stake. And Ethereum has never gone down. And that's the other thing, is when we're doing a merge, we want to make sure it's done right, so that there's no downtime, there's no gaps in liveness. Um, but it, in terms of DAP developers, you, there's no real risk to your DAP necessarily. You, there's not much you need to think of. It's written such that the, when the merge happens, you're not going to feel it a whole lot from, your, you don't have to change your smart contracts. Nothing really has to change from the developer perspective. You'll just start realizing the benefits of proof of stake through, you know, the effects of oh, this is a lower uh, network issuance of Ethereum, and there's less environmental impact, and these other benefits that come with it. Let's just say hypothetically, kind of like when Constantinople, the hard fork happened on Ethereum, there was some bug that last minute you had to you had to call off the the upgrade. If there was something that went very wrong with the merge, does Ethereum revert back to proof of work? What's the backup plan that devs have? Or do they have a backup plan um, right now, just in case the merge doesn't work? Uh, well, so if we, if we find out there's a critical issue before the merge, right, obviously we'll stop everything we can and say we're not going to merge until we can fix this, until we have built up some more confidence and sort of how, how is this able to happen. A lot of problems are, we think of the, the Swiss cheese problem where you have layers of Swiss cheese and it's only when the holes align that you find it. So there's a lot of testing that goes into this. Um, but in the scenario that it happens post-merge, uh, it gets a little bit tricky. Um, Ethereum has a, a only one significant event in history where they where it rolled back the, the DAO hack. Uh, and I think the well, general- It wasn't a rollback. Well, right, it, it was a irregular, was regular state change you'd call it or? Yeah, there was some damage excised out of the chain. Right, so not a rollback, but it was something unusual that the social coordination came in to rectify a problem. And maybe not to that uh, level of significance that we would have to uh, intervene, but that's likely the, 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 it would be a social coordination issue. I see, I see, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, let's just say the merge does go through. <laughs> For the sake of this conversation, let's say the merge does go through. Supply distribution of Ethereum will be especially important for Ethereum as a proof of stake protocol. And this is mainly because capital is what directly influences who can participate in building blocks, in proposing transactions, in creating network consensus. There is a video of the US SEC Chair Gary Gensler saying that, Joe, you owned 10% of total ETH supply at 
Genesis. My question to you, given that we're going to be moving on now to, to proof of stake and where supply de de decentralization of Ethereum is so important, can you tell us how much ETH you and consensus still control on Ethereum? Uh, uh, no, I, I wouldn't uh, disclose that personally, but it's never been even close to half a percent. Uh, so I'm comfortable saying that. Um, consensus does, uh, it's a new kind of business. It takes in thousands of different tokens uh, in our work. And so we're certainly not embarrassed that uh, a bunch of the tokens are Ether tokens. We're doing our best to accumulate uh, Ether tokens right now in advance of this thing that called the merge, which you seem to indicate we're, uh, we're, we're gonna uh, just assume is gonna go well. Um, so yay. To be fair, uh, it could not go well, but yes. It could not go well. Um, so uh, there, the biggest value, um, so proof of stake as, as it's been constructed uh, in our ecosystem uh, is simply a better system. Um, I encourage people, it took a long time to, to build the system. I encourage people to, to go uh, back to a, uh, an amazing tweet storm that Vitalik put together, I think it was summer 2018, where he described all the meandering, um, um, exploring different approaches. And it, it's really quite profound at, at how many right. things were looked at. Um, and, and so the one weakness in going to proof of stake uh, right off the bat, and there, there were problems, and, and so we couldn't do that right away. But one major weakness is, is the problem of disseminating the tokens broadly. Uh, and so uh, the best system, in my opinion, is to start with proof of work, build a global ecosystem with the uh, hundreds of thousands of active participants and millions of users, uh, and disseminate the token uh, very broadly uh, via usage. And Personally, I've disseminated uh, uh, most of the tokens that I ever had uh, uh, very yeah. broadly uh, by um, building a lot of things in, in the ecosystem. And Ethereum so, has been on proof of work for seven years now. Exactly. I think and we're, I think, I think I we're pretty ask. well um, distributed, unless your own organization perhaps has, uh, has a very large number of the tokens. I cannot disclose that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am the moderator. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but one more follow-up question, because I want to just grill, double down a little bit more on supply distribution, and it's for you, Joe. Are you concerned at all that early investors in ETH during the ICO still hold and control a lot of the supply of zero, Ethereum? Zero, given zero that concern you, about that. Given zero. that you've explained. From what I know, I have zero concern that there's uh, 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 any sort of concentration amongst original owners. I, I do think that there's Even a chance. Even though it's possible people I do could think there's a chance out. that there's a concentration amongst people who accumulated after. I've done nothing but, um, but uh, disseminate the tokens that, that uh, I, I haven't uh, acquired any tokens uh, since Genesis, but uh, I know lots, lots of people are focused on doing that. Early ICO investors to, to use different tactics to buy into the ICO using multiple accounts, using multiple different identities. That's not a concern for you moving into the merge about investors that potentially could have? Zero concern. All right. Let's move on to another supply question, and that's the supply question of staked ETH supply. Right now, Lido is a liquid staking protocol that's nearing about one third of 
of control over the total ETH staked on the Beacon Chain right now. Um, another Ethereum developer, Danny Ryan, has talked about the risks associated with staked ETH being controlled by um, a single or a handful of, of large staking protocols. Um, what kind of community commentary have you been seeing, Danny, on Twitter, on kind of like the, the groups and the events that you've been organizing around this concern of staked ETH centralization, specifically as it relates to the LIDA protocol? Sure, absolutely. So we see a lot of uh, chatter around this topic of progressive decentralization, which means that um, as you try to work around the trade-offs in the blockchain trilemma, you cannot sacrifice security, mm -hmm. right? And so you end up working on, okay, how do we progressively make sure this is safe and then start to decentralize it? And so I think that Lido is a solution that works right now as people are trying to figure out how to run these mm -hmm. validator nodes, right? And I think that um, the technical level that is required right now to run one of those is like quite high and this lowers it. So it's net positive because it means that more people can jump into this and decide they want to do it and sort of then decide that maybe I should do it myself, right? And I think that's gonna be the next wave of companies that we see are like companies that enable individuals to perhaps learn how to run their own validator nodes and, and decentralize it. I agree that it's definitely a problem and that is a risk of centralization. And I think the community is acutely aware of that. Mm -hmm. But right now, it really is the best solution because it is better than the current you know, mining pools that you see with like proof of work, right? It's, um, it's run by uh, invested community members who are part of the ecosystems that they are building. So um, I haven't delved terribly deeply into the, you know, the specs of Lido, but uh, I do hear a lot of people trying to decide whether it's going to be, you know, Arizona or Lido or how it's going to go. And I hear of companies, you know, new companies like Gateway, you know, that's.fm who are getting into the validator game, right? right. And, and I think that ultimately it's still a wide open field and there's going to be a lot of projects that jump in. And, and because the, the barrier to entry is much lower, um, then I think there'll be some interesting movement in that space. I've been pretty impressed and also kind of astounded by the role of the community in influencing the EL client diversity of Ethereum. With Prism, you know, I said 40% at the beginning of, of this panel, but it used to be actually much greater. And because of the role of the community, a lot of that centralization has come down. Um, and Danny, you were talking about just like the, the ways in which the community is innovating, you know, other companies, other protocols um, to potentially tackle this issue. Preston, um, is that also the solution that you see to this staked ETH um, centralization problem? What are the kind of technical solutions that devs are looking at to reduce and to mitigate um, staked ETH centralization? Well, the, the protocol has mechanisms that if there's a lot of centralized activity and it starts to, let's say, misbehave, the penalties are exponentially higher for that group, for anybody who's participating in that behavior. Interesting thing with, you know, with Lido is that it's, it's starting to reach this one-third threshold, which is what's considered a pretty dangerous threshold. It's the point where you can start to not really uh, attack the network, but start to grief it. You could delay finality. You, you, you can't really steal anyone's currency or anything like that, but co certainly cause some turbulence. 
and you know with Lido, like they 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 have great intentions and they seem to be suffering from their own success in that there hasn't been a, a, a project that works quite like Lido has and you know now they're seeing this and and we're having to come in as developers and say look at the look at the risk that's with Lido and reaching this one-third threshold and trying to solve this more social layer than a technical layer on a social layer rather than a technical layer yeah i mean it's it's about choosing an alternative like or or even convincing others to start another lido and now there's a different you know alternative you know yeah so we we need social we need technical we need tooling um the protocol itself um is is driving towards greater decentralization in terms of diversity of clients um our, our ecosystem has been progressively decentralizing for a long time, so um, there will always be a, a back and forth between um, entities that uh, try to capture um, value and power. It's, um, it's a good thing to do uh, if you're trying to, to be effective, uh, but it's also a good thing to do to be vigilant and, and do your best to identify centralizations or or other um, disturbing trends uh, and and to ameliorate them with whatever mechanisms are at your disposal. Um, at Consensus, yeah. we've been, Consensus with a Y, uh, we, we've been building uh, staking infrastructure, uh, industrial staking infrastructure, and we're doing that uh, in the service of making it available uh, via MetaMask and MetaMask Institutional uh, to individuals, to small organizations. So uh, that is not a product announcement. That's a direction uh, that, that we're moving in. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's one example of, uh, of how we need to be vigilant uh, and offer options uh, at all layers of the system. Yeah, I feel like a lot is really riding on um, the community taking initiative to make sure that the trends of centralization are properly mitigated rather than a lot of this falling on a more technical area. Because there are things in the protocol of Ethereum's proof of stake, Gasper, that's supposed to mitigate against centralization of staked ETH, but it doesn't quite address, again, the Lido problem. But maybe it really does come back to the, to the community. One of the things that I found personally a little bit concerning was um, people going so far on Twitter to say that perhaps Lido should self-limit themselves, should enforce you know, fees if exorbitant fees, like fees that are higher than other staking providers if they go past one-third of total ETH, um, control of total ETH staked on the network. Um, I feel like that's asking perhaps a bit too much of the natural like market dynamics of network participants, but I mean, I'm curious to, to know your guys' thoughts on like, where does it end? I mean, how much do you really pin on the community? How much do you let the protocol itself be resilient against um, all market forces and, and network actors and bad malicious players that may or may not, you know, so one day come in, perhaps light or black it, does, it doesn't end. As I indicated, uh, we need to be vigilant and active at, at all layers. Fortunately, we have a, an incredibly vigilant, uh, active, collaborative, communicative community. Uh, and um, you're not going to um, you're not going to see issues pop up uh, that there won't be um, a lot of um, crypto Twitter or or other sort of uh, uh, activity around, and so it, it's a self-healing 
ecosystem. It's a self-healing community. Uh, Anything to add to that, Danny or Preston? Um, I think that ultimately the Ethereum community is extremely passionate and active and uh, self-mobilizes. And I think something positive is that developers are invested in the protocol and many, much more than just building it. And so um, ultimately the merge is really, really substantive transformational event that's happening. The transition to proof of stake is extraordinary. The environmental impact that this is going to have is incredible. It's really like going like from, you know, driving with fossil fuels to driving electric, right? Like that's huge and that like matters a lot. And, uh, you know, hopefully gas fees will improve a bit and the usability goes with it. So I think everyone's really excited and the community really very much intends to come together to do whatever it takes to keep that moving forward. And so I think if you start to see moments where there is turbulence, that the community will mobilize to ensure that like, you know, it, it, that changes and moves and flows in the way that it needs to, to, to continue moving forward. I'm loving the optimism and truly there's still quite a lot to come. I mean, the merge is coming, but then there's also other scaling things. There's light climb protocols. There's a very big roadmap still ahead. So this is by no means the end of the conversation. We've only got two minutes left and I wanna kick end this panel with kind of a, a lightning round. It's one question, but I would love to get each of your guys' thoughts. You have like 30 seconds max. Um, what is your highest praise of Ethereum, but also what is your biggest critique of Ethereum? Danny, we'll start with you. Um, I think Ethereum has a concentration of the most brilliant, innovative minds who are really looking to change the future. Um, and I think that's extraordinary. My greatest criticism is that sometimes we go a little too deep into the DeFi rabbit hole and we have to think more about the bigger picture. I really like about Ethereum is that there's so many hard and interesting problems and so much impact and opportunity. As a core developer, it was almost impossible to look away. Um, you know, one of the criticisms I have is that, you know, it, it seems to feel like things take a long time, even though it's for good reason. I, I wish we could iterate faster and deliver faster, but one of the things that come with decentralization is it's a global community, everyone's everywhere working their own time, and trying to get everyone to agree on something, consensus, is hard. Yeah, so the power of Ethereum has always been the community. Um, um, the community uh, is essentially where the power is. Um, the power has always been with the people and decentralized protocol technology is flipping the trust vector uh, from uh, authorities on down to uh, the base trust foundation up. Um, and. Uh, the complications are that the, the community is composed of people and, and, uh, and people tend to have uh, um, lots of crazy, diverse, and entertaining opinions. So uh, our strength uh, is our weakness is our strength. Yeah, that sounds, that's a great way to end the panel. Thank you so much, Joe, Preston, Danny, for being on this panel with me. And thank you to our audience for listening. Mm -hmm.